Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Future is Bilingual podcast. My name is Heather. Thank you for joining me today. It feels really good to be back recording the podcast and releasing episodes because I took a bit of a hiatus to finish my coursework for my PhD. Now I finally have time to dedicate to the things I love, like this podcast. So today's episode is with my good friend Heidi, who I met on Instagram. She is also a fellow podcaster now, and we do talk about her podcast near the end. So there are already eight episodes. Uh, We did record this interview back in January with the hope that it would be published before her podcast came out and life got in the way. So uh, you'll have plenty to catch up on if you don't already listen to Heidi's wonderful podcast about learning and loving languages. She is a multilingual mom who's raising two multilingual kids abroad. They lived in Italy and now more recently Germany, but she started learning languages later in her life. So she tells us all about that journey. We also talk about just dealing with expectations, how we can kind of transform the way that we see language learning and her experiences being an expat and getting out of that expat bubble and how languages are such a great bonding factor in between different generations and just people in general. So really can't wait for you to hear this talk and let's get right to it. Hello everyone and welcome back to the Future is Bilingual podcast. Today, tonight, tomorrow, uh, Heidi and I are recording this over uh, two different time zones where it's nighttime for me and morning for her. So welcome, Heidi. I'm excited to be here. So tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, where you're from, where you live, who's in your family. All right. I am Heidi and I am originally from Kentucky, born and raised, and I currently live in Germany. Although this summer we just moved from Italy where we lived for four years. So we've been living kind of the expat life for a while now. And uh, when I say we, I mean my husband, me and our two children who are currently five and nine years old. So I am 37 years old. And with respect to languages, only started learning when we moved to Italy in 2017. So my, well, other than high school Spanish and college Spanish, my only language experience is starting moving to Italy, getting there and going to Duolingo and saying, how do I say hello? How do I say good morning? How do I say thank you? And that began my whole journey. Wow. So you didn't start before moving? No, I didn't. And I was thinking about this. Did you know you were moving? Did you guys have We did. We had, well, so I think we found out officially in April and then we moved in July of the same year. And of course that process, my son was one at the time. So Mm -hmm. that process itself is we had to get passports for all of us. So I think I had my tourist passport, but then we had to get official passports Mm because we're moving for my husband's job. And then, you know, the packing up of the house, we had to sell our house because we owned it at the time. And um, I was just so focused on moving. And I also thought that we're moving to Italy. I'm going to learn Italian immersion. Mm-hmm. That's how to do it. Right. Right. But I had this, this false sense of security really that I was just going to learn it. And we knew we were going to put the kids in Italian schools over the years. Mm-hmm. So it just seemed like it was going to happen. And then I mean, the, the whole story is how this unfolds, really <laughs> how right. I started learning the language and made all the mistakes and everything. But yeah, I mean, I literally remember getting to the hotel, being completely, um, you know, sleep deprived, had to slept all night on the plane and trying to figure out 
what app to use. And of course, Duolingo came up and mm-hmm. the first lesson was Buongiorno. And I was like, okay, I can do that. So we went next door to the hotel was a supermarket. We went and I remember saying Buongiorno to like everyone I saw, cause I'm from Kentucky. We say hi to everyone yeah. on the street. Doesn't matter. You make eye contact, you say hi. Mm-hmm. So I had these little old ladies looking at me like, okay, <laughs> we don't do that. Like looking away, this weird person, but I'd say Buongiorno and ciao and um, grazie. And, uh, and I felt so, I was so in it. <laughs> saying all the greetings but that's great that you jumped right in you weren't afraid to speak because so many I think uh, adults even if they have language learning experience or not like regardless we are afraid to speak we're afraid to actually use it we'll do the whole duolingo tree the whole you know app uh, what they offer for a language but we won't yeah we're afraid to speak it and you know even more so to a native speaker I think yes. you know there's this whole fear that like they're going to judge me my accent's wrong I'm not going to say this correctly. I'm going to wait until I know everything before I open my mouth. I think a lot Mm -hmm. of us, not me, (laughs) but I know a lot of people um, have that fear. So you personally, you didn't feel that, that fear. You just immediately started talking. In the beginning, yes, but once, so it took, I don't know, a couple, a month and a half, I think, to get a house. And then from there, um, we got into the house in the end of August, which everything in Italy is basically shut down in August at some point or another, right? So we started two weeks later when my daughter went to the school of materna, the um, preschool. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's when we started kind of integrating a little bit with the community. And that's when I realized I have to say more. And my neighbor was also, uh, she was married to an American, but she's Italian. So she was able to come with me and translate anyway, but the whole great registering my daughter for the the school of materna I did that all on my own and there happened to be a woman who worked there who spoke a little English but that was an experience um but once we really started getting into the community seeing the same people every day seeing the Mm -hmm. same moms every day that's when I really started to feel overwhelmed with it Mm -hmm. and scared of talking because I would Mm -hmm. say something and then the person wouldn't understand me and I had no idea about the differences between regional word usage, not even dialect, just Mm -hmm. word usage, you know, how they say certain phrases is different depending on where you go. So whatever, you know, Duolingo, for example, says ragazzo for boy, but they all use bambino because they were young Mm -hmm. kids. So little things like that, that I would say something, they'd be like, what? What, what are you talking about? And they're not seeing of... un ragazzo, they're seeing exactly. Un <laughs> yeah, even, that's funny. Just that um, I just saw a post. This is totally um, kind of random, but they were saying there's no word for toddler in Italian. Mm-hmm. So even just the way that languages will divide up the oh, yeah. ages of life, you know, like we have yeah. a word for this this thing that's not a baby, that's not a child, Mm -hmm. it's this in-between. Yeah, Um, and Bambino can go for years. I mean, like I still say my Bambini for both of my kids, my daughter's nine now. Um, And I don't know if there's like- We wouldn't say that. Maybe when they go to middle school. For us is like a baby, baby, like you're holding. Right, yes. And then there's a toddler and then there's a child. It's a girl, it's a boy, you know, so. Exactly, exactly. Maybe when they go to middle school, maybe that's when they kind of naturally make the switch. I don't know. Mm. <laughs> we didn't get that far. That's but, so interesting. Um, Which part of Italy were you guys? We were in the north in the Veneto region. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. It was, it's, like, it's the perfect location. It's like an hour from Venice. Um, there's Asiago to the north, Milan to the 
west. Florence mm-hmm. is not too far in the south, well, south of Vicenza, where we were. So many countries within like a four hour drive. Yeah. Um, right. But it's, not to mention Europe, you can just easily right. <laughs> just hop go. on a train just and train and plane. Oh, let's uh, not talk about over. this. I might start crying. I'm going to get hungry. <laughs> Body of <laughs> candy. <laughs> I don't want to start crying. Um, so, where was I? Oh, so yeah, being afraid of, of speaking. Uh, once I realized that people don't understand me, that's when I really started to feel very vulnerable. And mm. I learned, I mostly used Duolingo. I started listening to music. I listened to Laura Palsini forever because my Italian teacher recommended her. And um, I took two classes that were in English, but Italian as a second language courses. So I learned, mm. um, you know, vocabulary, verb conjugation in the present and the passato prossimo um, mm. over the course of, I don't know, six to eight months. And then at that point we had been there for a year So I started feeling this pressure that I should be able to do this. And especially with my daughter's teachers, because they Mm. spoke no English. And one of them was, bless her heart, this older woman who's like a grandma, Mm -hmm. loves the kids, but very strict. And she wouldn't really try very hard to understand me. The Mm -hmm. other teacher, I couldn't, if I didn't conjugate a verb, she like, as long as it said me, you know, I'm the one doing this. If I don't know how to, she's like, okay, okay, it's fine. And she'd understand the other woman was very strict about her ideology of how I should be learning, how fast I should mm-hmm. be learning mm-hmm. and speaking. I just want to point not just out learning, just speaking your Kentuckian bless her heart. <laughs> bless her heart. I'm going to say something bad about this person, <laughs> but regional thing of the South. We would not do that. We wouldn't say yes, that in the yes. North, but that's funny. That's- as long as you say bless her heart, you can say anything about them. Um, <laughs> That's so great. Um, but I, I would get so intimidated around her mm-hmm. and very nervous and really felt like I should be speaking by now. You know, I should mm-hmm. be able to do all of this. And it was, of course, completely unrealistic, but it was very, um, I, I don't know the right word. It was, it was time-based. I've been here for this many months now you know, what should I be able to do without, oh, and by the way, I also had restarted learning my master's degree. I had put that on pause while we moved and oh, um, we moved in July and January. I started classes again and I had, and you two had young a, ones. A toddler, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. My youngest wasn't going to daycare yet. And when my oldest started primary school, so she, or she went to preschool for one year mm-hmm. and then started primary school, primary school, she went part-time. So she got off school at like one thirty or so every day. So I had kind of fewer hours to myself to get all this stuff done, which is and not then a lot. You can't get anything myself. done with kids. <laughs> Let's just put <laughs> that out impossible. there. This is a parenting podcast. We all know <laughs> you can't get anything done with the young kids. So. Yes. And so th- then that kind of is a perfect segue into this, this next thought that I've had in hindsight, of course, is that I started saying, okay, well, what have other people done to learn Italian or to learn languages? Mm-hmm. So I have a friend in uh, Deuville where we lived and she's Tunisian. She moved there, I think eight years prior, speaks amazing Italian. Mm-hmm. My, my other Italian friends have said she's just flawless. Okay. Wow. So I know this, no I know pressure. the standard. And I said, okay, how did you learn? How long did it take you to learn Italian? I think I'd been there about a year when we had this conversation. And she said, well, at about six months, I went to the doctor by myself. And I felt like that I was, I was good then. And I was like, oh, well, that was a long time ago for me. So six months, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Okay. How did you learn? She said, she'd sit around and watch Peppa Pig all day or soap operas. And I said, great. She didn't have kids at that time. She right. did 
when we had this conversation, we shouldn't have kids. So that's a whole other level of time that I didn't have. And I said, okay, mm-hmm. well, that's not going to work for me. Then I realized she was a native Arabic and French speaker. So she already mm-hmm. had that layer as well. She's already bilingual and a romance language. Yes, so that's can't super compare myself. Can't compare no. myself to you. Okay. Let's pick someone else and just kind of keep searching for people who are adult language learners, preferably with kids. So I think I actually had found you uh, on Instagram and I was like, oh, she's learning Polish. It's not her native language. She's got kids. Oh, she already speaks French and Spanish and her husband's Polish. Mm -hmm. So trying to not compare myself to other people, but find someone with a similar story and say, what did you do? But that just goes back to wanting some magic solution. I wanted immersion. I wanted it to just go into my head. And even if you found that person, let's say you found a person who had a very similar situation, moved to a country, had to learn the language, you know, maybe it wasn't Italian, it was another language. Even so, like what worked for them wouldn't necessarily work for you, oh, exactly. even in the same circumstances, even with exactly. the same age kids, yep. same, you know, type of language, mm-hmm. the same everything. Yep. You know, so Either you have different teachers or you learn in not different that it's not ways fascinating. Or... I mean, this whole podcast oh, yeah, it's is about how it's, it's completely fascinating to hear everybody's stories and mm-hmm. how they're raising their kids and how they're, you know, their own multilingual journeys. Oh, it's interesting, but it's not going to per se, you know, help what you're <laughs> trying to yes. do. Unfortunately, yes. there's no uh, magic bullet that we can all Take Unfortunately, in. just want to no. put the German language into my head. I right know. Now. I, I would love so to easy. download a couple <laughs> languages into my head, but it, it, you know the the pressure the pressure really 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 built up, and I was making progress. Of course, I was learning new languages. I will never forget the first time I overheard a different conversation and knew what they were talking about in Italian, and, and it was something very bland and basic, but I was like, those were words in there. That was not just one long sentence of sound. Those were right. actual words. And I was so excited, you know, going to the- It's yes, one of my yes. favorite pastimes when I was traveling. Oh, yeah. What language oh, yeah. are they speaking? <laughs> going to the hairdresser for the first time and having a 45 minute conversation. My head hurt so bad at the end. And I mm-hmm. used Google translate often, but most of it I did by myself, like these little kind of stepping stones, milestones along the way mm-hmm. were huge. And I didn't even realize it at the time. Cause I had no idea how to learn a language. I didn't know that there was a community of people out there doing this. I had no idea that there were podcasts dedicated to it. I didn't even listen to podcasts at the time. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I was very alone in all of it. Um, Really just want to say, until, yes, on that note of um, having a headache, I also remember the very first time that we took a trip with my university. We went up to Montreal for the day, mm-hmm. and it was the first time, even though I had taken French in high school and I was taking, you know, I was majoring in French at college. It was the first time that I spent an entire day immersed speaking and Canadian French, French, listening to French. French. It's also different, but just the fact of thinking mm-hmm. in a foreign language for that long. I had mm-hmm. a headache at the end of that day. Oh yeah. And I, that was the first time that I was immersed in French. And it's, I've, I've heard so many people say that that's like a common thing that your head physically hurts from having oh, to yes. think so much. And that first time, but you know, it's a muscle. It gets used to it. Yes. You know? It's yes. not going to be like that forever, but I also and have I that have experience. A, uh, an Italian friend who speaks uh, fluent English and German. And we went to their house one evening, really early on. I was just kind of starting to learn Italian. So the whole evening was in English. 
and it was about nine or 10 o'clock at night. We'd all had some wine and she just looked really tired. And she started speaking in German because German for her was stronger than English. Mm-hmm. And we just looked at her and she's like, oh, that wasn't the right language, was it? And it was the first time I had that realization that just because someone is fluent in a language does not mean that their brain can just on demand function. Mm-hmm. I have I have Italian friends who speak amazing English with no accent, but every now and then they still get tripped up or too tired or something. And I understand that on a very deep level now. It Mm -hmm. it provides so much more patience in a conversation with someone to to realize And emotions, if you're like angry Mm -hmm. or you're Mm -hmm. frustrated or flustered, like it, it just trips you up and it makes it much more harder to think like, you know, if someone starts to, I don't know, if you're getting in a fight with somebody, Mm -hmm. you know, even with my husband, we can speak Polish, but then if we start to argue, I like, I just switched to English because I'm like, yeah. I need to say what I want to say and I want to yes. say it correctly and with yes. the right intonation and every, you know, everything that comes along with all those emotions. Right. It's hard to, it's hard to do that. It's hard to control that. And, and my husband, because his job is all in English, he worked with Americans. Um, he didn't have to learn Italian. And of course, when he started working, he didn't really have time or passion. So it just, it wasn't for him. And, and he picked up a little bit, of course, while we're there, but often, especially when when my Italian was getting better and we would have people over who maybe didn't speak English. There's always someone else who spoke English. So he would always have someone to socialize with, but he would always be looking at me. What are they saying? What are they saying? I'm like, I'm not a translator, but you're Mm -hmm. responding. I'm like, I understand, but translating is a completely different thing. Like I can follow along and respond appropriately Mm -hmm. and still not be able to, you can ask me what they said. I'll be like, I don't know, but I did know you know, it's just, I'm not going to, I just can't do this for you. And he did not understand that too. So there's another level of patience Mm -hmm. I have and and where we live now. It's so international. You always meet people who don't speak your language or something and either being aware of the people in the room who don't understand Mm -hmm. and simultaneously not expecting someone else to translate is, is an interesting dynamic and respect Mm -hmm. for the whole conversation too, that I would, I would have never been aware of if I hadn't had these experiences. Yeah. And I think a lot of people can relate to what you're saying, just how you can understand something, but not know the word for word translation, or, or you forget what language someone said something to you. (laughs) Like people ask us, what did he just say? And I'm like, wait, that that wasn't English. Like you didn't understand that. Yes. Yes. <laughs> but you're like, my daughter, it's over your head by that point. Like you've forgotten, like, I, I, I can't translate that anymore. Yes. My daughter's best friend uh, speaks only Italian and we were all walking home part of the way together. They said, bye. They said some stuff and we got home and I said, wait a second. Did she say that in English? My daughter's like, no mom, she doesn't speak English. And I was like, I swear my brain heard that in English, mm-hmm. <laughs> but mm-hmm. it was that realization that, Ooh, I understood. Yeah. And I don't know what language it was. I mean, it had to have been Italian. <laughs> it's the right. only way, but yeah. It's a cool feeling though. When you're it like, is. Well, yeah. I don't even know what language is happening anymore. Yeah. Um, so remind us how old was your daughter when you arrived in Italy and how old was she when you guys left? When we arrived, she was four and a half. And when we left, she was eight and a half. So we basically say that her childhood was in Italy because before that she was born in New York. Then we moved to Maryland and then we moved Mm -hmm. to Kansas for a year and then we moved to Georgia and then Italy. So even that first four years, she had so many homes. So her first memories are in Italy. Wow. And Mm -hmm. how was her Italian? Mm. (laughs) It was, it was really good. So of course she picked it up fast 
ish because she had a lot of social anxiety when we got there and got her into the school. Mm -hmm. And it was something I didn't anticipate because we told her you're going to go to Italian school. And she'd go around telling everyone I'm going to go to Italian school. I know the word for butterfly and I can count to three. And I was like, Oh, she's going to rock this. This is going to be so great. But then dropping her off the first day and realizing that she didn't understand what that meant. She didn't mm-hmm. understand that it meant she would be in a class for seven hours a day with people who did not understand her and who mm-hmm. she didn't understand. And um, she's always been, at least at that point, clingy to me. I mean, I was a stay-at-home mom, so I was what mm-hmm. she knew all the time. So leaving me for that amount of time and not being able to communicate was really hard on her. And yeah we lived right next to the school. So our property bordered the school. So when the kids played outside so many days, I would see her over there at the fence, just going, mommy, mommy. Oh my gosh. That's heartbreaking. Broke my heart. But Uh I knew that I had to just watch and let her be or go somewhere else. So I didn't have to watch, but just let her be. I would be taking a walk far, far away from the school. So, well, if I go outside, she would see me. So I just go and stay in the house. But eventually girls started coming over and just kind of like gently grabbing her and wanting to play with her. There was always a teacher there to console Mm -hmm. her. So watching these interactions was neat. And they started school. I can't imagine. I don't see my kids. We don't border (laughs) with their daycare. And my God, I don't know if I could handle watching that. I mean, you would have to though. Like you'd have to, it's right there. Exactly. I don't think I could not watch it, but exactly. Well, when my son started a few years later, he was just like, okay, I'm good. Leave me alone, mom. No problem. Um, That's how my so, son is too. <laughs> yeah. School starts in September, mid-September there. And then of course, Christmas break in December. And during that time, we really saw, I think the only, I don't know what, it, I, I don't want to say improvement, but the only progress I guess I saw in her was she could count, she could say some colors mm-hmm. and she didn't get mad when I would attempt to speak Italian with her. Oh. Or we could, read, we could read a short book together if it Mm -hmm. was an interactive book where you like pull things out or something so she would let me do that then uh coming back from christmas break she had the flu for a week couldn't go back to school and for some reason that was the switch she wanted to go to school because she could see her friends there from our property Mm -hmm. but she was sick and she couldn't so when she did return it was like automatic all these girls came out of the classroom and just hugged her and she was in and after that she was more or less good And that's when she started opening up her mind to the language, really. Mm. Um, It's probably good that she had that little break. Yes. Get that that desire back. (laughs) Yes. And we could see the school so she could see, you know, the girls over there playing together. And um, so that was an an interesting year. And um, her, she went to primary school for three years there. And I don't know if the entire Italian school system is like this, but in our town and area for primary school, you have the same class and the same teacher all five years. We unfortunately had the experience that we did not like her teacher and her teacher was, the students were afraid of her. So there was another level of anxiety in learning the language was that she had a teacher who she was scared of. Mm -hmm. And looking back, I'm amazed at how much my daughter learned just from being in that environment where she didn't want to go every day because of that teacher, but her best friend was in her class. And that is probably where she learned the most of the language. And then when she started learning grammar, you know, articles and verb conjugation, she did okay, but I would see the mistakes she would make. And because I'm not a teacher, 
I had a hard time helping her with her homework. It's just like, this is the rule. This is the rule. Come on. Why aren't you getting this? And, um, or whenever you're doing the passato prossimo, do you use essere or avere? She's, she gets it wrong and she still does, but I had to. I still do too. (laughs) Oh yeah. Right. (laughs) So do I. Um, she, she did amazing. And over time, I finally calmed myself down and realized Mm -hmm. that we knew we would be moving. We we knew we weren't stay there forever. So the goal of this whole putting her in Italian school was not that she learned Italian perfectly. Mm -hmm. It was that we set a foundation of language learning that when she decides she wants to keep or learn Italian, she already has this foundation that is she's never going to lose. She has the friends and that's motivation enough for her to keep going. And when she really gets to school age where she can learn the rules, you know, mm-hmm. and read on her, which she can read on her own now in Italian, that's, that's a whole other interesting story too. Um, you know, when she can do her own things, find her own podcast, find her own stuff. Right. She already has this thing that, that my husband and I didn't have. We weren't mm-hmm. bilingual. We weren't, um, you know, we didn't have access to language really well. He did. That's another story. So anyway, you know, that was the I goal. I think the so peers, I- though, we can't underestimate how important mm. peers are. Mm-hmm. You know, you can send yeah. the kids to school, but if if they're not speaking with, with friends, mm-hmm. then they're not really going to learn. Exactly. I just have a quick question because sure. um, the essere avere is very similar to the être and avoir in French. Okay. And how do I want to formulate this question? So native speakers probably don't make errors with that. And I feel like the same thing is going to happen with my kids. Um, so my son is the same age. He's mm-hmm. four and a half going to French school in Quebec. And he's, you know, having to learn French. Um, unfortunately, he has friends at his daycare that are English speakers. So he uh, yeah. just gravitates towards yeah. the Anglophones. Um, so I don't think he's learning as much as your daughter probably was because he has this <laughs> English right. uh, to fall back on. But um, I just wonder if you were like worried because I, I find myself worrying that he's going to make mistakes that a native French speaker would not like next year, he has to start school. He's going to yes. be five. Um, I just, I'm curious personally as a parent of a yes. kid who's going to start, you know, regular school next year, how they were treated, you know, because that's also my, my um, research interest for my doctorate is the population of students that mm-hmm. has, we call them allophones, which means okay. their, their native language is neither French nor English in Canada. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I'm interested in that population. So curious, I'm just out of, this is out of curiosity. Like, did you see that your daughter was treated differently because she's going to obviously make grammar mistakes that a native is going to just never right. make because it doesn't sound correct. There are two, two different ways to answer this, I think. So the first is socially, of course, she seemed good for the most part, because she had her best friend Mm -hmm. who was always patient with her, didn't care that she couldn't speak perfect. Just, they just played and talked and chatted. So because of that friendship, I think my daughter was already kind of accepted in the bigger group. Mm -hmm. And once they got to primary school, there were a few other students in the class that weren't native Italian speakers. So there, they were I think born in Italy, or at least had moved there from an early age, they didn't have this kind of English speaking expat bubble that we found ourselves in. Um, So of course their experiences were different, but she wasn't different in the same way as if she had been the only English speaker. So socially, she always felt accepted, especially because she had that one best friend. That's all she needed was Mm -hmm. one. And where I really worried because of my own personal tendencies, 
is mm-hmm. with school because once they get to primary school, they started learning grammar in the classroom, right? So mm-hmm. the Italian students do pretty well because they can just think, oh, would I say sono or would I say, oh, here, all right, that's mm-hmm. the right answer. And she had to learn grammatically, academically, but she's never learned English grammar. So at least for me, when I was learning Italian grammar, I could compare it to English or not compare it to English, you know, whichever one worked and go with it. And it, it was easier. So because she didn't have that foundation, it was harder. And I am a major perfectionist, especially when it comes to academics for myself mm-hmm. and wanting that for my daughter, wanting her to make perfect grades and stuff. I just right. had to obviously just let go of it and just mm-hmm. not worry. And that was my biggest worry. And again, we knew we were leaving Italy. So that probably made it easier. If you mm-hmm. all think you might stay in Canada for a longer time, that's a different story. But now that we're in Germany, yes, Mm -hmm. now that we're in Germany, we want to be able to stay longer. We don't know if we can, but I would love it if my kids could just finish off the school here, stay with the same group, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So we're thinking kind of longer term. This is especially that they're older because I felt the same way. It Mm -hmm. wasn't painful to move. Um, So if people don't know, we moved about five or six months ago. My kids are only going to be three and four and a half. So again, they don't have friends. They haven't started school. It wasn't, it's a big Mm -hmm. deal to move away from family, but what it wasn't the peer social uh, that you're dealing with now when you just pulled them out of Italy and they had all their friends, Yes, you know, that's a much bigger deal. So I can understand why you'd want to finally kind of just settle, let them do their schooling. Yeah. But getting, getting very clear myself on what our language goals were for her and then what's realistic for her, what she wants to do, because Mm -hmm. she wanted to go to Italian school here. She wanted to go to German school. We had the option of going to a U.S. American school that's Mm -hmm. available to us. Um, And we chose to put her in the German school. She had a say in that because she was eight when we moved. Mm -hmm. Um, But letting her know that she, this is her journey now, kind of giving it over to her while Mm -hmm. also guiding along the way um, was, it helped me not worry. Because if she's in Italy, she wasn't really old enough to understand or to make that decision herself. Once she started going to the Italian school, made friends, she was good to go. But I still had to kind of guide her into taking some ownership of that language process, Mm -hmm. be it academically or socially. And at some point they have to meet in the middle. Um, But I had to let go of my worry about grades Mm -hmm. and be more focused on her mental and emotional well-being. And then of course, pandemic hit. So that's doubling down on that one and um, just doing what I can to help her feel supported as in, if she makes a mistake, don't correct her because she's not one who likes to be corrected. Just repeat it in the proper way. Not, oh, this is wrong because X, Y, Z, right? Just say it in another way. Use that later, even if in a completely different context, Mm -hmm. say it so that it's not so obvious that I'm, you know, correcting her. Uh, Keep mental note of that. And once I made that switch, my worry went down. And I honestly can't say that her language got better. Maybe it did, but my view of her language got better. My mindset Mm -hmm. of her language got better. So um, yeah, socially always accepted, wasn't an issue. Here in Germany, we've had a very similar experience with that and um, figuring out how to just keep supporting them, 
mm-hmm. emotionally above everything, especially my, my daughter's a feeling girl. So mm-hmm. it's good to <laughs> know not... your child because like you said, the yes. correction, there's different mm-hmm. ways to correct. And there's lots of academic papers, even about how teachers should be correcting. And yes. I think it's, you know, you know, your child so well, mm-hmm. we know our children better than a teacher. A teacher will get to know our child, but it's not the same. So I think mm-hmm. no, no, knowing the way your child is going to react to that. Yes, now quickly, yes. You're Italian. You you said that you could hear her making mistakes. So your Italian mm-hmm. was better than your academically. Daughter's. Yes, <laughs> you could. Yeah, you could hear. Well, right. What's the situation like now? You guys just moved to Germany. You're now learning German. Mm-hmm. What's the situation like? Your kids are both in school. German They're, school. Well, yes. My son is in kindergarten, which in Germany technically isn't considered school. So I guess it's preschool um, that we would say. So my husband, my husband, my son is in kindergarten and his experience is very interesting to me because when we left Italy, he'd gone to the preschool for two years. One of those years was COVID year. So kind of only half counts. He was learning Italian. He could speak it at an appropriate level for his age. He could understand Mm -hmm. a lot. He played in it. He was totally comfortable. When we moved here, he wanted to go to German school no problem. Of course, we're going to do it for you anyway. And he's so comfortable being in an environment where people don't understand him and where he doesn't understand them, that it has been no problem, no crying, nothing. He just goes every day and goes in and comes home and tells me, Hey, I learned a new word today, or I made a new friend and we played together. And like, if I tell him how to say something, he Mm -hmm. just repeats it. He's it's, I'm so jealous of his experience and personality it's, wise. It's so interesting. Oh, absolutely. You know, you have these mm-hmm. little people and you're like, wow, you get to know their personalities and see that, you yes. know, he, he just seems to be very, you know, go yeah. with the flow. It's fine. I'm yeah. comfortable with this mm-hmm. not understanding. And some people are so uncomfortable if they don't understand every single word. I had a student once who would translate every single yes. word on any paper I gave him. He would write it in English. Mm-hmm. He translated every single thing word for word took him forever to finish tests because he would literally translate the entire test. Oh yes. Before yeah. he would answer, you know, there's people that's an extreme case, but there's people that are very uncomfortable. If they don't understand everything, they get caught yes. up on that one word, you know, yes, that was they can't just see the big picture, you know, they mm-hmm. get caught up on one thing and they want to know what, what does that one word mean? What did you mm-hmm. just say? Yes. <laughs> and like we yes. were saying, when you're kind of just talking and, you know, sometimes teaching, you just kind of talk, 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 and you don't, you're not reading a script. You don't know exactly what you just said. It can be tricky. Uh, yes. <laughs> Given or doing parent, a podcast interview. <laughs> <laughs> so, but for my daughter, so she entered the third grade here. Mm-hmm. The way Italian schools are, at least where we were, is the age cutoff is January 1st to December 31st. So mm-hmm. she finished the third grade in Italy. She's a November baby. So here she's doing the third grade again, not because she needed to, but because that's how the birthdays fall, um, which is a blessing because she gets an extra year of the language. I think they go on to like the middle high school at grade five. So she has another year uh, with the language, which is great. But she's in that age where kids are really starting to become socially aware and forming groups and things. Mm -hmm. But she got really lucky. We live in a small town that probably helps, but she got really lucky finding friends very quickly. One of them speaks English. She's not native, but this girl speaks very fluent English because she just, I asked her how, and she's like, oh, I just learned it. I just started listening and talking. <laughs> so, oh, wow, that's amazing. So, so she has, yeah, she has someone who she can really communicate with at a good level. Um, mm-hmm. And then the German, but her teacher this year has made the biggest difference. Her teacher is amazing, patient, mm-hmm. um, doesn't expect too much of her, but 
does push her um, and encourages her. And that makes a huge difference. So my daughter's learning that the social German she's getting really good at impressively and academically, she's doing very well too. Yesterday they had a vocabulary list and I was supposed to dictate it to her while she wrote them down Mm -hmm. and Italian, which was her first written and uh, reading, I guess Mm -hmm. you could say language. It's phonetic, relatively easy, minus some double letters and a few weird sounds, right? Mm -hmm. Super easy. German is not at all phonetic in in the way that English isn't phonetic. Mm -hmm. So she she did all of them. She only made like two small mistakes. I was at a list of 20 words. I said, that's amazing. And I had, she, they just got these words last week. I'm like, how do you know all these? She's like, oh, we just write them a lot. They include it in different ways. So this teacher has different methods for teaching Mm -hmm. the kids the words. And I was amazed. And then she knew what most of them meant in English. And they've only been going to school since mid-September. So this is a huge difference. Her confidence is different. Mm -hmm. You know, it's better than when we started in Italy. Her social anxiety is non-existent as far as I can see mm-hmm. I'm sure at school there's still issues but it's, uh, there's always it's issues good. right <laughs> yeah but um, shout out to the amazing teachers out there gosh this goodness, it makes a huge it makes difference. Such a difference such mm-hmm. a difference and um so our biggest challenge right now is speaking anything at home besides English my mm-hmm. husband speaks English of course it's our it's our common language I don't in Italy, I expected myself to be able to speak Italian at home because that's the message I was getting from teachers. Well, do you speak it at home? No, I don't speak it, right? Oh. I'm, I'm a beginner and they would still, well, that's what you really need. That's what you really need to help her. And I got stuck on that before thinking I could just reach out to other people and there's other ways to get this extra immersion, you know, right. play dates, going to friends' houses, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, the pressure was on me and me specifically to to do this and it didn't work. So here I have completely realistic expectations. I know what I can and can't say. Uh, I know that even in pandemic, we can still go out. She can still have some play dates with mm-hmm. friends and do homework together. All of that's fine. Oh, and here in Germany, the school day is over at either 12.05 or 12.55, depending on the day. So even a regular full school day is not really? a lot of, yes, yes. What? It's, it's particularly strange to me. Um, that's the school day. So there's all up to what age I feel like forever because I see kids like middle school age kids getting off the bus. They're the the local bus, not a school bus, the regular town bus uh, at one o'clock, two o'clock in the afternoon. Sometimes interesting. I know in France they have starting in middle school, more of a college schedule, like Mm -hmm. what we would Mm -hmm. have where you have an eight o'clock, you have a 10 o'clock and you have a two o'clock and you're free to do what you want in Mm -hmm. between. Whereas U.S. schools are like a, a prison. I felt yes. like that even as a teacher. You are yeah. here from seven yes. to two. You do not yes. leave the building. You cannot leave the premises. Oh, yes. You know, you can't go to Dunkin' Donuts and get a coffee. Like you have four minute break. You can yeah. barely use the bathroom and make it back to your next class on time. It was so, that's why I left high school teaching because it was yeah. so rigid and so prison-like and you just rush, 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 rush all the time. And then, mm-hmm. I don't know, it just doesn't feel like a good environment. Well, so get this, the, the school day is 745 to 1255, but she doesn't go those hours every day. She goes those hours one day, other days she'll go late at 830 because they don't have a first class or she'll come home early at 1205. So this is like the school hours, but that doesn't mean every class is going mm-hmm. to go during all those hours. And last week, it's hard to plan us, by though, because like, yeah. oh, if you're yes. a parent, you have to go <laughs> to work. The number of alarms I have in my phone for what time she needs to wake up, what time she needs to leave the house, what time On I need to day? wait for her to walk Yeah, home. that's kind of yes. confusing. 
and I like the uh, freedom aspect, but like maybe older, you know, yes, middle school, high yes, school. Yes. They last week they informed us that the gym class, they had to cut one hour of gym. I think they had two or three hours. Now they have to cut one hour. They mm-hmm. just cut that hour off the schedule. So instead of coming home at 12.55 on Wednesdays, she comes home at 12.05. And I was like, you don't fill that with something else? That would never happen in the U.S. It's the weirdest thing to me. Never. I can't even imagine that. She is. So so access to German just from the school. She's not going to learn it to a high level, just school. And that's Mm -hmm. totally fine. No -hmm. problem. Because now I have this expectation, realistic expectations that help guide that along the way. Super important. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm learning German myself. I started about a year ago on my own. I still work on it daily. I'm going to mm-hmm. a class at our local, um, it's, I, I don't know what you would call it, like trade school, I guess maybe, okay. uh, going to a class there. So, so I'm learning it. I'm comfortable listening to it for the most part. If I overhear conversations, as long as they're not super deep, I can follow along. So having this comparison with Italy where I was floundering for so long mm-hmm. to hear where I'm more focused and German is more similar to English than Italian is. So there's that aspect. But, but I think it's that you would know kind of the process, you know, how yes, to, exactly. to do this, you know, you exactly. started mentally. I'm not freaking out um, mm-hmm. those things. So being able to find ways to incorporate it, it at home without just putting them in front of Netflix all the time is is the biggest what? challenge. We can't just put our kids in front of the TV and hope they you need German Netflix. time. Here's Netflix. Watch a show. My son will do that. And my son, we moved here. He was five, just barely five, like a week after turning five. And he said, you're going to learn German. You're going to go to the German school. He's like, okay, cool. He's like, my next language is going to be French. And after that Portuguese. And I was like, I didn't even know you knew that French was a language. (laughs) I love your son. That's so cool. (laughs) Sometimes I'll put on Netflix. I'm like, okay, you have to watch a show in German first. Can I watch French? Sure. (laughs) Do you know anything? And then all of a sudden one day he's like, and I was like, you're learning from this. This is crazy. So um, cool. so yeah, he's going to be some little polyglot who speaks oh, yeah. who knows how many languages. Cause he just he's already got the desire. That's yeah. great. So it's so anyway, yeah. In- incorporating it at home and just for me, because my biggest challenge, and here's another, you know, comparison to other families or other parents is, you know, there's all the different types of learning at home, the opal or time and place, all of that. Mm-hmm. None of those really apply to us because I don't speak either language at such a high level that I can, or that mm-hmm. I feel comfortable. Um, and my daughter wants to keep her Italian because she has friends. We just have to have find time to video chat with them. Right. And she and I can read stories in Italian together and we laugh and we watch video on Instagram. Sometimes I found a hilarious one the other day that they want to watch every single night and we just laugh and it's in Italian and she's getting it. What so, are they doing? What's so funny? I have to uh, know. Oh, or you need to a, share it with me. I'll send it to you. I'll send it to okay. you. It's a guy making a phone call. Here's how you talk on the phone in Italian. It's a short conversation. And at the end, they're like, ciao, 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 ciao. Oh, I saw ciao. that one. Saw it's that hilarious. One. Yes, yes. You post, I think you posted it. Yes. It's, but that's it's how really people end. Is exactly how you into conversation like a million chows and so my kids just think it's hysterical so things like that that that's so cultural though they know that they know Mm -hmm. it's funny because they lived in that culture Mm -hmm. that's exactly my kids have a favorite video for french too so (laughs) i'll post both of these on instagram so people that follow yes yes um so finding finding other content that Mm -hmm. isn't sit down and study this and let's go over vocabulary and things. Um, I can read books in German to my kids. They probably understand more of it than I do, but my mm-hmm. pronunciation is okay enough that they don't yet correct me. That's, That's great. Good. That's great um, that you're doing that. 
Yeah. And, and that's the, that's the stressful part though, is my, when we moved here, my Italian was probably a low intermediate. I've probably gone back down to a little bit high beginner, no problem. You know, I know it's just something that'll work itself out as I keep moving Mm -hmm. forward over the years, but it's not such that I can have a big conversation with my kids because even I'm stumbling over words or forgetting things, which works nice with my daughter. That's kind of a relationship building. She reminds me of a word. I remind her of a word. And now it's just this thing we do together because she doesn't have the pressure of school Italian. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's that paving my own way, talking to other moms who are American expats who are kind of dealing with similar things and they want to learn the language. Um, That's like a whole kind of maybe subculture of this parenting multilinguals children is not only am I not native speak either language at a high level I don't speak another language already so there's all these other layers of I just have to find what works for us and talk about it with other people see what ideas they have and just keep pushing forward to to be able to support my kids you're so right that we don't really you know we talk about the four big categories of how to do it, assuming you're a native, you know, most, Mm -hmm. I think Mm -hmm. bilingual parenting is assumed you're a native of the language. Yes. Okay. You're not a native. Maybe you speak it proficiently. Um, So then there's the non-natives that speak a language, you know, good enough, you know, but we don't ever talk about those parents that, okay, I'm raising my kids multilingually, but I don't even master the language yet. Yes. Um, That's a whole, there are a few people I know on Instagram. I can point you to, Um, there's a mom, raising bilingual kids in Japan and she's mm-hmm. learning Japanese, but she's an American mom. She's like, I don't actually speak Japanese. I'm like a monolingual here, yes. but my kids are learning yes. Japanese. So there's definitely, it's like a sub sub culture mm-hmm. in this multilingual yes. community. And maybe we just, I, I know people are out there and maybe we just don't have enough uh, publicity, enough accounts that are well-known circulating about it. Yes. But- and there may, there may not even be enough of us to, to make loud enough noise about it Maybe. to, because I was, I was trying to figure it out for so long by myself, not even knowing there was a language learning community mm-hmm. that I, I finally got to think like how many other people are out there, you know, and, and we really have an expat bubble that I didn't even know that was a phrase. I just knew yeah. I didn't have a need to learn Italian. And we spoke English basically everywhere we went. You know, I could go to the doctor or the supermarket and speak English because I had access to that. Mm-hmm. And all of our friends were English speakers. And I just remember thinking, this is a problem. This is part of the problem of why I'm not learning. But yet it's so comfortable. <laughs> it's so it's comfortable. So, it's so nice here in my bubble. <laughs> and I, in the beginning, when I spoke no Italian, my friends were Italians who spoke English. They took on that right. burden of the language, mm-hmm. you know, and they loved it. So I can't really say burden, you know, two tongue in cheek, really. But um, that that's what it was. All of my friends spoke, even my best friend now, she speaks English to such a high level. She learned it in, you know, throughout school and up Mm -hmm. through university that we've always spoken English. And sometimes I finally started sending her WhatsApp messages in Italian. And she was like, I didn't know your Italian was so good. And I said, because we could always speak at a deeper level in English. It would have been nice to talk to you in Italian, but we Mm -hmm. will never get down to all the deep stuff that we want to talk about if that's right. the case. So um, I think the the expat bubble is such an interesting topic because mm. it exists for sure. I, I saw it in, in France. Um, so it exists for sure in Europe with like the American, you know, mm-hmm. you easily find other American expats anywhere mm-hmm. you go. But it also exists, you know, in the US. I know there's lots of, of little bubbles where 
you know, for example, my in-laws can do everything they want oh, to do yes. in Polish. They mm -hmm. work with people that speak their language. They know where to shop. They know where to get their glasses, where to get their, you know, yes. someone, a realtor. You can find, you know, lawyers. You can find anyone you want to yes. find because everybody is connected. Everybody will suggest you to, you know, go to this person if you need this thing. Um, so it's not, I don't know. It's like this love-hate relationship where like, it's such a good thing that they it can is. do these complicated things like going to a lawyer in their mm -hmm. native tongue. You know, I'm not against that at all, but like you said, it doesn't, it doesn't help you learn the majority yes. language. So well, this adult learners, to... you know, like we're talking about with you, like if you're an adult moving to a foreign country and you can do everything in your native tongue, mm -hmm. where is the incentive to learn? Right. You know. <laughs> well, you know, like I said, my husband didn't learn Italian while we were there for four years. He's not learning German here. So much of it has to do with just his time. And like I said, right. passion, I knew I was going to learn German. It's happening. Done. But for him, he's like, I'm working all the time. And when I'm not mm -hmm. working, I'm commuting where we live is a bigger city. So the commute is ugly and he hates to drive. So when he gets home, he's just exhausted. There's no, I'm right. like, just do Duolingo for five minutes a day. And he's like, yeah, no, you can't push that on someone. Yeah. Mm -mm. And yeah, it's, that's definitely true. So, and I know so many Americans, especially in Italy who learned enough, learned a little bit. If their kids weren't going to the Italian school, most of them didn't, they didn't have to. And I mean, it's a, privilege to live in another country and not have to learn the language for one. Um, just being aware of that, I think is incredibly important, mm -hmm. but um, yeah, expecting someone to learn a language just because they live there. I don't know. I, it's, it's not, not necessarily feasible for everyone. If you know, you're only sure. there for two years or three years, then mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, it's understandable. It's nice to be able to say the basics. I think most yeah. people just pick those up anyway. Um, the expat bubble thing to me comes back to just your self-awareness. Like mm -hmm. I said, when I got very clear about my goals for my daughter, knowing what we wanted for her in Italian, what the real goal was, and it wasn't to make mm -hmm. perfect grades in school, then everything became more clear and easier to yeah, do. Could let everything else go. And it's the same thing with the expat bubble. Once I got clear that I don't want to speak English all the time, I started going out and buying my, my meat. You know, so I can go down to the um, the butcher in our town that is a closer walk mm -hmm. and order my meat there. Instead, it's making those conscious decisions to yeah. get out in the town. And here in oh. Germany, it's almost harder because so many people speak English at a high level. So well, yeah. they, they respond to you in English consciously continuing to respond to them in German, even if they're speaking to me in English to the amount possible is difficult, but you because have it's to mm -hmm. be very self-aware have the desire really. And, and not every day too. It doesn't have to be an all or nothing thing. I'm totally an all or nothing person <laughs> as a perfectionist, but realizing that today I can go down and get my bread in German. They can respond in English and I'm going to keep talking in German, mm -hmm. but tomorrow I'm tired. I fought with my kids in the morning. I don't have the energy. That's okay. I can go mm -hmm. have the interaction in English on that day. And it doesn't make me any less of a German speaker. It doesn't make mm -hmm. me any less of a language learner. It's just in that moment, this is what I need to do. Mm -hmm. And that's fine. And then the next day I can do it a different way. Like being yeah. so self-aware and understanding mm -hmm. of your own limits and your own boundaries and your own emotions and mental state is mm -hmm. what really helps push forward and make the, the decisions to speak the community language whenever is right for you. And mm -hmm. the decision to speak your native or whatever other language when that's right for you. And yeah. all of it is okay. It's, it's such a touchy topic too, because just, I don't know. It's just, it's so hard. It's so hard to 
to, to learn the language as an adult, to get over the mm-hmm. fear of speaking. Oh yeah. Um, different topics, you know, it, it, there's just so many things I could say, you know, being self-conscious, making mm-hmm. mistakes, not wanting, you know, people not understanding you, things that you mentioned earlier. It's such a, such a tuppy, touchy topic. Yes, it's, yes. Uh, One of the biggest things that's helped me within, within this transition in particular, getting out of Italy where I had kind of my, I already had my vulnerabilities and they still crept up all the time to Germany where I'm just simply moving place. And so my mindset is different. Mm-hmm. One of the biggest things that has helped me is getting very clear about what counts for me. Ordering food in German counts, even if I'm just reading the menu, asking where the toilet is counts. Where in Italy, I'd be like, oh yeah, these are just easy things. They, they don't count. Is it in English? No, then yes, it counts. It counts. <laughs> Am I reading a one post on Instagram in another language? That's reading, that counts. Mm-hmm. And especially as a parent where we have no time, those yeah. little things add up. And every time we have the opportunity to access the language to touch it in any way. Mm-hmm. If, if I personally say that counts for me, I don't have to read a whole book. I can read some newspaper, um, not even articles, just the headlines and yep. see how much of it I understand that counts. And so when I started doing that and tracking it so that I can actually see progress along the way, mm-hmm. it, it became a completely different journey. That's more exciting and more progressive than if I just said, oh, well, but that's easy that, that yeah. those words don't count because I already know that you were diminishing your work. Something. Exactly. And also exactly. that reminds me of somebody when I think my friend Reiko, um, mm-hmm. so she's doing the target. She did the target language challenge mm-hmm. where every month she read a book in one of her target languages. And, um, she said to me, like, while you're reading, you read your kids books in Polish. And I'm like, yeah. oh my gosh, like it was yeah. like an aha moment. Because mm-hmm. I was like, I read Polish books all the time and never counted them. You know, right. I don't put them on my Goodreads because yes. they're, they're books yes. for kids, but that totally counts. And I was like, oh my God, I never even thought about that as counting. Mm-hmm. Um, tell us more about how you track, because when you were mentioning that, um, obviously I'm part of this community and I, I follow lots of people who are language learners and that are not parents. And they have these meticulous tracking <laughs> where they know to the yes. minute how many minutes mm-hmm. or hours they spent learning their there are multiple languages and you see these beautiful charts and, you know, they've already read three books this year, even though we're three weeks into, in their target language. Right. I have in English. (laughs) The year. And I'm just like, where do you people find the time to to A, track all of these minute details? So please tell us how you as a busy parent track. So I just started that this year when we moved because I knew I, I wanted to track my language. My my goal when moving in the process of moving, which is a long process, as you know, and for Mm -hmm. us, it took a very long time to get into the house and then get the kids registered for school and then get them to school. And, um, so my goal was to touch my languages every day, be it reading, writing, speaking, didn't matter. Just touch them every day. It could be Duolingo, which I don't play Duolingo. I use Duolingo. So that that's different. Right. But I just wanted to touch them. But how am I going to really know if I did that? Because easily you could get by three or four days and be like, ah, did I, did I do anything? I don't know. I don't remember. So I had to track it. So I I created my own in like PowerPoint. Mm -hmm. It was pretty, it worked, but then I started having to print them. I wasn't opening my laptop every day. So I discovered Notion and Mm -hmm. created my own there where I have one tab for German, one tab for Italian, and it has 
just a check mark for my favorite apps that I like to use, which I realize I don't use oh. often enough, but that's okay. They were free except for one that I paid for that I really love. So mm-hmm. if I do whatever app I do, I just put a check mark and there's an app. So I don't even have to go to my computer to check this. I can just mm-hmm. open up my phone. We all have our phones all the time, right? So it's there <laughs> at the end of the day or at the beginning of the day, I can say what I did yesterday. Then I have um, it open where it just says speaking, reading, writing, listening. And then I have, um, I guess, things that I can put in there, just check off social media. Have mm-hmm. I sent a message? Have I read something? Have I listened to something? Speaking, oh, I haven't spoken Italian in a few days. I, I try to have italki lessons every week. It doesn't happen. I'll send an audio message to one of my friends I haven't spoken to in a while. Like me. On WhatsApp, right? <laughs> yes, yes. Um, reading, for me, it all depends on what counts. For me, it can be a kid's book to my kids. It can be... Uh, my, my daughter's homework. I have to read her German homework to try to understand what's going on. True, um, true. It can be headlines in the news or something. And so I have all these things broken down, listening, of course, podcasts, even music for me counts. Mm-hmm, so um, I have that. And then I can just open it up at the end of the month and say, yes, I did touch each language every day. And I can see where I felt like I was touching it a lot on weekends. I do less because my <laughs> kids are home than I do during the week and really decide, like I said, what counts and be proud of all of that touching. So yeah. that that's how I track my official, I guess you would say language learning. And then there's other things like I wanted to learn the Italian subjunctive last month. That was my Mm -hmm. real goal. I know when to use it, but I didn't, which that's the hard part is knowing when to use it. So in my talkie lessons, I would be like, I want, I know I'm supposed to use subjunctive here, but I don't know it. So this verb (laughs) and keep Mm -hmm. going. Um, So finally I said, I'm just going to learn it. I opened up a resource, found subjunctive, learned it and wrote that down in my tracker Mm-hmm. just to show that I did it. And it was, I mean, it was five minutes. It wasn't anything where I'm sitting down and I'm writing it. Over. And then later on, I purposefully found sentences where I needed to use subjunctive. I would just send friends an audio message saying, Hey, I hope that you had a good Christmas. I hope yeah. that you had this. Mm-hmm. There you go. Now I'm using it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was a lot less stressful than one might think it yeah. would be for this, you know, this specific thing and then using it. So and that's my main tracking. When we moved to Germany, I had the goal of speaking German to, I think it was 12 people. And I had hoped to do it by the end of July. I think it was August or September when I finally did it. So in my phone, I had just a note where we moved into our house and we live around, um, all of our neighbors are are retired. So there's a Mm -hmm. lot of old women who just wanted to come by the house and ask all about us. So I knew where I was from, how old I am. We have kids, they're going to school. You know, I could say all these things in German and Every time something like that happened, which was really often in the beginning, or if I ordered food or something, I would go to my phone notes, write the date, write a quick note about it, neighbor asking where we're from. And that was it. So when I got to 12, I was like, "Ah, I've had 12 small conversations in German. Look at that. If I hadn't done that again, I would have diminished it. Well, I was just talking about myself. I was just ordering food. I was just asking for the toilet. Especially what you're saying is so important because when you're first learning another language, you know, the first thing you need to say is like, hi, my name is, Mm -hmm. this is, you know, your age, it's kind of that Mm -hmm. basic introduction. And I did the same thing with Italian. I wrote down like a basic intro. And I think I mentioned this before, but when you join the duo events, oftentimes people ask, you know, like, dove abiti, like, where do you live? Mm -hmm. And you end up saying kind of the same thing over and over. Yes. But that's great. You know, and if you have to say the exact same thing to 12 people, you've now practiced saying, and like you said, 
you would totally diminish that as just, mm-hmm. oh, you know, I, Whatever. I only said basic. a few sentences about myself. Yeah, it's super basic. It's a zero level. Like mm-hmm. You could easily diminish that. But I think it's yeah. really great that you had this idea to, to track that you wanted this yes. many people. That's so well, cool. And the big one was I forgot my house key. My, my daughter, <laughs> oh, no, they walk to school here from a very, very, very young age. Like it's a big pride thing for parents, for their children to walk to and from school by themselves. I was nice. not used to that at all. <laughs> so the first day I walked her to school, picked her up. I'm the only parent there <laughs> that's not driving their kids. So mm-hmm. after about two or three days, I'm like, we live really close. I can just step out into the street, which tiny town, there's no cars, step out into the street and watch her walk. And then mm-hmm. eventually I got to where, okay, bye. See you later. Um, so the one day she was going to leave. My son was crying. So I picked him up and we walked out into the street and I realized I, my house key is inside the, the door locks on its own. Our neighbor wow. next door, sweet old older lady has our spare key. And I said, okay, I know how to say key, but I can do better than that. I know how to say forgot and key. Oh, wait, mm-hmm. I just learned the perfect the other day. I can say I have forgotten my key. Wait, key is masculine and this is in the accusative. I could say I have forgotten my key. Grammatically correct. And I mm-hmm. stood there on the edge of the street thinking this through for, I mean, one minute, maybe a minute and a half, instead of just mm-hmm. freaking out and going right to her and saying it, I formed the sentence, went to her and said, I forgot my key. And I'm so proud. And she responds, she gives it to me. And then she responds, put it in the post office box. I didn't know post office box. I said, um, what is, and then I repeated the word that she said, because I wasn't <laughs> expecting her to respond. I was expecting her to say, okay. And then that's the end of the conversation. Right. So she responded with a question and I had the right frame of mind because I already wasn't freaking out. I had the right frame of mind to say, I don't know this word. What is this? Mm-hmm. And she said something about her to say newspaper in German. I said, I know that word. Now I know what you're saying. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that was the biggest, that's I great. think conversation. And again, if I hadn't been tracking it and paying attention, I would have been like, oh yeah, I did that thing, but it was huge. It was a mm-hmm. very, very big deal. And especially for confidence. Cause that's, that's really what it's all about is just staying in the right frame of mind, keeping your motivation, keeping your confidence, mm-hmm. um, knowing when it's all going down your confidence and finding little ways to bring it back up. I love that you set the grammatical correct. I need to use the accusative. It's masculine. How do I, I feel that with Polish though, like, how do I form the right? So people who study languages and cases will know what we're talking about. It's beautiful. I mean, I think it's absolutely gorgeous. I love the German language. I love how it sounds. I love how it's grammatically structured, Mm -hmm. but it does add an extra layer of difficulty to an English speaker who doesn't have gender and art, um, cases (laughs) cases <laughs> yeah the cases very are specific whole nother... sentence structure mm-hmm. and are you happy that you did Italian first do you feel like that was a good absolutely ease into so, language learning as an adult I always loved German I remember watching so you know in Kentucky I where I grew up we had English that was it I started learning Spanish in high school when I was 16. That was my first access to public education Spanish so you know I could do really good in class I can memorize vocabulary and stuff but I couldn't speak for anything. So I just said, Oh, I'm just, I'm not a language learner. I just can't do it. I'm not that kind of person. And then, but I remember watching like world war II documentaries with my dad and they'd have interviews and they would always say a few words in German before mm-hmm. dubbing it over in English. And I was like, Oh my goodness. It's so beautiful. I love that language. Love it. But I never thought to learn it really. It was just, that just wasn't something that I had access to in my mind. And my husband, we've been together since 2009 mm-hmm. and his parents are native German speakers. 
but they spoke English at home his whole life. And so I've only known them as English speakers until recently. Now, like I'm trying to listen to them, trying to engage in mm -hmm. conversation more like, oh, look, I can say this. That's so, so cool. I didn't even notice. I know. Actually. Well, and he, and he doesn't speak German. They, you know, he grew up in the States and so they spoke English and his dad taught German, but it was something that they didn't force on their kids. They could mm -hmm. learn it if they wanted to. Um, so when I met him, I said, oh, your parents speak German. Well, now I'm going to learn. Now I have this motivation, but they speak English. So I really didn't have the motivation. I bought a book. I listened to the CD a few times, life mm -hmm. got in the way and I stopped, but I still always was fascinated by German. It didn't take German in high school because everyone said it was just so hard and I wanted to make all A's. That was my goal was not mm -hmm. to learn a language. It was to make good grades. And if it was hard, well, I shouldn't do that. So yes. So Italian turns out is really, really hard, really difficult <laughs> as a first language learning Beautiful. as an adult. <laughs> it's gorgeous. I love it. Um, but there was no, you know, the pressure came from the situation around me, but not from this idealistic thing. Like German was this idealistic, really difficult mm -hmm. language and Italian didn't have that. In fact, I thought Italian would be easy because I remembered a little bit of Spanish from high school. That right. was not the case either, but yeah, so we don't talk about here, how hard Italian is. I feel like mm, there's this misconception mm -mm. that oh, Italian, oh, yeah. it's, it's easy. And, and as then soon you as you start, start learning, as soon as you start getting it, then there's something else to learn, right? Or for kids' books, all of the kids' books I would read are in this verb tense that in the North is not used verbally. So mm -hmm. I can kind of recognize verbs, but I'm not going to use them in this way. So that's- French has know, that just, as well. They have this special yeah. literary mm -hmm. tense and all the kids' books are written in it, but you would never say it. <laughs> right. It's like a, yeah, just a literary tense. So it's probably similar. So, different. Mm -hmm. so, so moving here- um, obviously this is the opportunity to learn German. And now I really have the motivation, uh, and going back to the States for Christmas and visiting my in-laws and chatting with them on FaceTime, I can start using a little bit here and there and then seeing their face light up. Cause yeah. What's their reaction know, it, to that? That's so cool. Um, I mean, there, so my mother-in-law really, she speaks German when she needs to, she's totally comfortable. I mean, they've been there for decades. So they're both totally, they have no, no accent at all when they speak mm -hmm. English. So that that's their language that they, that they really speak at home, even to each other. Um, but my father-in-law taught German for many years as well. And mm -hmm. he's, he's very much a, an intellectual academic type person. Also, he went to school, you know, mm -hmm. on his own for many years, getting master's degrees. He taught high school for a long time after he retired. So, so my father-in-law is, is an academic too. And so he's very excited for me to learn on an academic level. Like he has all these books and he's, you have to see this and you have to see this, you have to read this. And, uh, when awesome. I speak to him, he's happy to correct me, uh, particularly in, um, in a teacher kind of way. Like he, mm -hmm. he under, he knows me well enough to kind of know my, how I react to things. And, and he's picked up on that. So it's, it's like a, a new level of bonding really yeah. to learn this is it. Cute. This reminds me of you with your daughter. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Her. And now you've got the other absolutely. generation of your father-in-law correcting you. It's yes. So <laughs> and it was, it's, it's fun too, whenever we're around them, of course, which isn't often, but we were able to go back over the holidays. So, um, they received some letters in the mail from German or Austrian relatives. And I could read it and be like, Oh, I kind of know oh. what's going on here. Wait a second. What does this mean? The, this sentence structure? Um, I don't understand it. Oh, because it's in another case that I am <laughs> only relatively familiar with. So, <laughs> everything could be a little learning experience. Oh, what's yes. the word for that? I could hear conversations and say, Ooh, I know what they're talking about, but it's in a non-stressful environment, mm -hmm. not immersed where I have to learn. And 
Um, so yeah, I mean the whole the whole thing. He's really really excited for me to learn and mm-hmm. very supportive. It's cool. And, how languages can be yeah. a bonding factor as oh, absolutely. well. Absolutely. So you've talked mm-hmm. about you've mentioned with your daughter keeping up yeah. with the Italian, and now with your in laws. And I feel the same way. You know, I, I can't even count how many hours were spent kind of teaching me Polish. <laughs> yes. Um, with, with my in laws, you know, it was kind of like a bonding factor. Like, oh well, let me teach you some things. You know, you, you know mm-hmm. nothing about this. <laughs> let me teach yes. you. Yes. But you know, it's, it's definitely a bonding experience. It is, it is. Mm -hmm. And it can go, it can go just as deep as, you know, being interested in someone else's culture and life, just sharing Mm -hmm. in that. Or like I said, he's an academic, I'm an academic. We both love learning. And so Mm -hmm. we share, we share that. And it just so happens that I want to learn something that he has uh, studied himself (laughs) that he has taught. So uh, there's, there's so many layers Mm -hmm. to that. That's, it's, it's beautiful. And it does make it a lot more fun. For sure. That's awesome. All right. I would love to uh, hear an expression, maybe one in Italian and one in German. Oh, let's see. I don't know I, if you I have, uh... I should have thought about this more. Well, <laughs> so my favorite, my favorite, favorite. Oh, I don't know. Oof, this is hard. I mean, there, you can't have a favorite Italian expression. My real favorite Italian idiom is in bocca al lupo mm-hmm. because, you know, for anyone who doesn't know, it's, it's like, uh, like break a leg or good luck in that we would and say literally? in English. Uh, literally in the mouth of the wolf. So the first time I heard this was like, I know Boca and I know Lupo. What in the world what? are you saying? So, so that was a fun one. I just, I adore it. And, um, and it's useful. Use it is it all useful. the time. <laughs> my other, my other favorite Italian word is Allora, because you can't have oh. Italian without Allora. And Allora. Uh, <laughs> funny story going. So, you know, my husband says Allora all the time, but he says it in a like, oh, well, kind of way. It is what it is. And I'm like, oh. that's not how it's used, but that's how that's many cute. Americans in our community there use it because they just hear it all the time. They think it's just a, oh, well, that's a common misconception. But of course you hear it all the time when someone is just starting to speak, they're about to say something that is the beginning of, I'm, I want to give you with this lecture on mm-hmm. why you should be behaving. So I start with, okay, oh, Laura, here we go. Laura, let's, and get let's get started. So my daughter, four years old, she'd been going to the preschool for, I don't know, a few weeks or a month or so. I don't know. And she came home and she's like, I think I have a girl in my class whose name is Alora. <laughs> I said, no, baby, you don't. And she's like, yeah, the teachers say it all the time. This girl must be getting in trouble all the time. Oh, it's so sweet. No, oh. no, that's just, that's just a word. What does it mean? It doesn't translate at all. Yeah, it's <laughs> like, there's so I many love. ways to translate it. And it is. I love, I love, I love, I love that word. Um, in German, I don't have a favorite yet. I guess I just love listening to it. I love trying to pronounce long words. Yesterday oh, on Instagram, yeah. I was doing um speaking tongues podcast 365 um, mm-hmm. writing challenge for the year. And you know, I'm kind of in and out. Finally, it's uh, what are you currently reading? I said, Ooh, I can do this one in German. That's easy. So I wrote it in German and I'm reading the um sixth Harry Potter book to my kids in English right now. So I said, okay, what is half blood prince? I went online and looked <laughs> it up. It is literally hab blut prince, literally half blood prince, but it's all one word. And I think that's mm. beautiful the way it is beautiful. How German. And then it's that. intimidating to see these crazy long words, but when you understand, um, prefixes and suffixes, because you can make a word even longer by adding a suffix mm-hmm. and then making it plural and feminine, you know, it makes <laughs> it longer. But when you understand enough to just break it down, it's so beautiful. It's so fun. Mm-hmm. Um, like, and logical uh, as in very logical, <laughs> the typical very like, logical. German logic, but it, I, it is, it's I, very logical when you 
Mm -hmm. look at the chunks of words and like, oh, well, of course that makes sense when you add it all together. Yes. I think I love your love of the German language. I do. I do. The first one that really uh, made me laugh was glove or mitten. I'm really not sure which one is a handshua. It's a hand shoe. Literally is the word for glove. It's a hand shoe. (laughs) And like uh, a turtle. I'm probably getting this wrong, but a turtle is like a, a shield lizard or something. I would have to look it up. It's, It's a shield some other shielded animal. lizard. Yeah, that makes and sense. Something. I know I'm getting that one wrong, but it's they're just they're fantastic. Those mm-hmm. those translations. Just mm-hmm. I love them. They make That's me so laugh. great. And it makes it easier to remember when you see something, you think, oh, that translates to this. That's funny. You'll never forget it. Like a never. mnemonic device. Yeah. Exactly. It's its own That's built-in so mnemonic device. So Heidi, I could keep you on for another hour, but I know you need to start your day. Um <laughs> we'll just have to have you back on the podcast at some point. I would but- love it. Tell the listeners uh, if they want to know more about you, where can they find you? I know we've mentioned you and I are on Instagram. So Mm -hmm. where else, where can we find you? And I will put links to everything into the show notes to make it easy. So on Instagram, I am love.joyandlanguages. I have a blog. It's not very active, but I have several things I've written over the last year or so. And it's lovejoyandlanguages.com. And this year, hopefully next month is the goal. I am releasing my podcast that will also be called Love, Joy, and Languages. My last name is Love, Joy, so it kind of goes all (laughs) together very nicely. Um, And I'm going to talk about, of course, language learning, language learning as a parent, language learning as a parent who's non-native and Mm -hmm. not fluent or advanced in a language and um, expat experiences. We need more. Yes. We need more people (laughs) to talk about this. This is great. Uh, And also my personal story includes that we didn't really touch on so much today, but includes so much perfectionism and Mm -hmm. how that has hindered my language learning journey and how I've worked on overcoming those perfectionist tendencies that can bog you down so much. I'll be talking a lot about that. So look for that. If you follow me on Instagram, I'll be putting it out there and uh, hopefully in the next couple months. Perfect. Heidi, thank you so much for being a guest today. And thank you for accommodating uh, me with this difficult time. I know you had to wake up early. Um, It's a little bit easier for me to stay up late, but my brain is starting to fade. So (laughs) thank you so much. I look forward to having you back on the podcast and I look so forward to hearing your own podcast and following along with that. So thank thank you you so so much. Thank you for having me. It was extremely fun. So fun. Yeah, we could, like we said, we could stay on for another hour. See you later.